Um, we are coming up on um, almost 100 years as a family um, celebrating uh, being able to access a particular property that my grandparents got a hold of um, when they were young, no kids, bright-eyed, uh, growing up in Mexico. They had acquired a piece of property in Ensenada um, that was um, undeveloped, and my grandparents were one of the first people to kind of help settle the city of Ensenada, really, if you've ever been down there on like one of the cruises, or you take the short hour and a half or so drive south of the border. Ensenada is like this great town. Uh, it's rich in culture. It's got like uh, fishing roots. Uh, it's, a, it's a fishing town in origin. Later in its kind of like life cycle, it became a, a port town, and now cruise liners come there. You probably had like some booze cruise drop you off in Ensenada, and you probably almost missed the boat going home, but um, <clears throat> that's the place where my family all comes from. It's like the, the big majority of my family, if you go to Ensenada, the Palacios family, they're like, they are known. We have family who are like uh, in law enforcement, like lawyers, ranchers, uh, like we're in the, bit, the restaurant industry all throughout Ensenada. And my, my parents' parents, my dad's parents were uh, the family that had enough foresight that they bought uh, a property that was on the hilltop of uh, the, the kind of the south mountains before you drive into the town. It's like a big crescent loop by geography, and you have the bay, and then you kind of have like this big crescent-shaped mountain range that kind of hugs the entire city in like this great little basin. And my parents are on the mountain that overlooks, at the beginning of the city, it overlooks both the bay that runs all the way down to uh, really like La Paz all the way to the bottom on a clear day. You can see for miles uh, south, you can see where um, like the island off, it always, to me, it looked like a dragon, but you can see that island. And then you can see all the mountains and everything that's kind of developed in that city. When uh, my parents were living there full time, uh, my friends and I would often go down and we would participate. We'd call my dad up or we'd call my mom up and say, hey, me and seven friends or me and two friends, or sometimes my friends were so connected to my parents, they would just go without us. Then they just call my parents up. One time, Johnny, I don't know what was happening to John, but he just had like an existential thing in his life. And he said, I'm just going to move there for a while. Uh, and so John moved there and then got lonely and then moved back. Um, and so uh, he has taken advantage of this space, this sacred space that my parents have lived on and developed. And they've, um, they've just, they've made it a place that's anticipated many people to not just stay there, but to like experience life while there. It's a special, special place, and it's open door. Most of you guys have met my parents at some point or another here at the church, either on the patio or if you sit in the far back row on this side, you're sitting next to my parents. I'm like, mom, can you be a fan and scoot up? And she's like, I'm not trying to be a front row sitter in church. So I'm like, okay. Um, I have a photo that I want to show you that's going to kind of give you the, the visual to um, the talk that we're going to go through today, which um, the series is called Closing the Loop. 
And this whole series is uh, this idea come off of uh, the tech that's built into your phone, or if you've got an Apple Watch, it's built into your Apple Watch. It's like these, um, these tools, these mile markers, and the goal is that they want you to close the progression loop on certain things to help encourage you to like be an active person, to be physically, uh, like to be mobile, to be somebody who is like, you know, whatever goals you set out there for yourself physically that this tracker, this, this ring closer would help you. And it's, it's visualized here. If you've got an Apple Watch, you probably obsess over it more than you should. Um, but it's also built onto your phone. You may not realize it's actually just built into the tech of your phone. Um, the outside red ring represents like your mobility. So it's like how many calories have you burned? You can set it to like 10,000 steps. And then once you cross 10,000 steps, that ring will close. Uh, you can cheat like me and set it to 200 steps. You just feel amazing. Like the walking around your house, like chasing your children, you never have to leave the house and you'll close that ring and you feel like a superhuman. That's me. Um, number two is the exercise loop. It's like, you know, it retracts exercise, wants you to do something physically demanding for 30 minutes a day. That's up to you. That's not, that's not for me. That's up to you. That ring never closes for me. I feel great about it. Um, then um, there's the standing loop. The inside one just like attracts if you're sitting or standing. I don't know how the heck your stupid device on you can tell if you're sitting on it. Like the pressure of your butt is like, oh, no, nope, you're sitting. And then it like feels it. Or if it's on your watch, it literally can tell the difference between like this action. Like they, they know too much about you. So um, that is the concept of this next series. We're going to spend like three or four weeks talking about the spiritual kind of like maturing, closing the loop. That's the idea that there are some unfinished things in all of us. There are some to be developed things in all of us. And um, we're going to look to scripture. We're going to look to Jesus as to how he calls us to close these loops. That's kind of the idea. It's not unfinished conversations. It's not that expression, closing the loop. It's like that we would recognize that there is an opportunity to mature and to develop. And I was telling you about my parents' property because Jesus, in the book of Matthew chapter 7, is going to give us an insight into the way of life. That's what uh, today's way of Jesus. If you're new-ish around here or you joined us maybe last week for the first time, we're in this 52-week, like, examination of the ways of Jesus, the commandments of Jesus. He calls every follower of him to live life to the fullness of its design by God, our creator. He has these ways by which he invites us to live, to walk, to experience relationships. And we call these the ways of Jesus. And today we're talking about the way of life as Jesus details it to a room full of people or a hillside uh, full of people that look a lot like the makeup of most of our churches on a Sunday morning. Uh, the, the verse that we're going to be going over is two verses, and it's found in Matthew chapter 7. If you've got a Bible, I would love for you to bring it over the next couple of weeks because I'll show you kind of where and how I like write and see and kind of divide up the verses as I see them, and I'd invite you to do that, participate with us. Um, if you don't have a Bible and you'd like a Bible, we would be glad to give you one. Um, we give them away in our lobby. You can see them, like there's a little credenza on the side there. It says next right step, and on there is some Bibles. Um, you don't have to like make a diversion plan and be like, what's over there? And then go steal it. We'll give it to you. Um, it's yours for the taking. I'd love for you to have a physical Bible. If you don't have one, or maybe you haven't had one, 
in a long time and you want to like kind of re-kickstart your time in God's word. That's where we're going to be drawing all of these ways. Um, Jesus talks about this particular thing. He calls um, the invitation to life in him. He's going to use an illustration, a gate. He's going to use a gate and a road as an illustration. And the goodness of Jesus that I want to start with is the fact that Jesus in this verse is going to give you the, the answer up front. It is one of the characteristics of God that I love and appreciate the most is he's not trying to play some cosmic version of hide and seek with any of us ever. Jesus is always very upfront about what is the thing he's inviting you to do. And we're going to go through this conversation and here's what I want to tell you transparently, personally, I had a really challenging week, like a hard week. I came into like some heartbreaking news of some close friends of ours and it had just come on the tail of like camping with some, like with our family and some other friends it was an exhausting week good week if you've got kids and you go camping you know that's not for you that's for them uh, and then you just are dra you're dragged along in the process so you don't sleep good you don't eat good uh, but your kids have a blast right that's where we were came home came into this news started studying for the weekend and then just kind of met in this space and I feel like Jesus does this constantly with me that in spite of the things I'm going through, he meets me in his word right where I'm at. And that's exactly where I felt like God met me this week. So um, it hits closer to home today, this verse. It, he says this really specifically. He says, uh, enter through the narrow gate. It's Jesus telling you the answer to the, the problem that he's going to present to everybody who's listening as he's giving this word. He says, enter through the narrow gate. And just for the sake of context, this part of Jesus's conversation with the people that are listening is in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount is arguably Jesus's most famous conversation or sermon that he's giving the general public who want to know more about the person that he says he is and what other people say he is and what he's done. Uh, if you were to like draw a a chronological line of the beginning of Jesus' public ministry to the day that Jesus dies on the cross, which uh, we celebrated last week, we talked about in Easter. That's the chronological public ministry of Jesus. Chapter 7 is almost the middle chalk line for the public ministry of Jesus. So what that means is at this point, Jesus has already done some miracles. He's said some pretty outlandish things that are kind of in the face of the religious system, the like the Jewish system already. There's an entire very robust kind of religious entity that has built a class structure of people who are in, certainly individuals who are out. And if you are in, then you're privy to all of these blessings. And if you're out, you only get to kind of look from the outside in at all the people who get God's favor and God's love. And Jesus is literally coming to turn all of that up on its head. He's going to say, my invitation is for the whole world, not just for the Israelites, not just for the Jewish people in the first century, which had been the case leading all the way up to Jesus's birth and now Jesus's perfect life and Jesus's foretold death. Jesus is about to expand the rings, if you will. He's about to expand the invitation to any person that's willing to believe in the person that he is. And in the room, it would have looked a lot like this room. There would have been people who would have been fans of Jesus since day one. They'd have been, you know, they love him. They love his teaching. They're all about him. They have found 
life, true life in him. There's people who have been invited to hear and decide for themselves. Um, there have been people who are great skeptics who they had heard a little bit. They wanted to know more, so they were there to make their own assessment of the person that was standing in front of them. And there would have been people who just wanted to be there because they were going to get something free. They were going to get something out of it. It's so, it's like almost ideal, almost, almost identical to like the, the makeup and the nature of communities that come and visit churches. There are members and there are, there are people who have been here for a little while. There are people who are hurt but are hoping. And then there's people who have no interest. They're literally dragged here because their significant other is like, I'm breaking up with you unless you're coming to church with me. And they're like, fine, they better have good coffee then. Uh, and at least we can meet you at that moment. That's exactly where, where Jesus finds himself. And he delivers this word to the people in the room, to the people on the hillside. And he goes, listen, I want you to enter through the narrow gate. He's telling them the answer to the thing that they're going to experience. And he's going to draw an illustration that's going to envelop every listener. And he's going to put them all into his illustration. But before he, he, he draws everybody into the illustration, he gives them the answer. You got to go through the narrow gate. And he says, For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. Okay, that's one. And many are going to enter through that. He said, But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life. And only a few are going to find that one. And all of a sudden, the whole hillside is like a pin drop because there's nobody that's exempted from the illustration that Jesus is going to put on the table. And I wonder, I wonder if people heard the first sentence, you got to go through the narrow gate. I'm telling you the answer. And I'm not trying to hide or trick. I'm just telling you, there's a way by which I want you to experience everything that you're currently going through. I just told somebody last service while we were talking in between, I feel like I'm in a season where we're going through hard things, but we're going through hard things with good people. And it seems to be like the rhythm for so many of us. There's lots of hard things that are like currently on the table. Challenges relationally with friends. Uh, things that are, are causing like friction where there wasn't friction before for some reason is like in and on the table now. Whether it's uh, something to do with your job and not feeling the satisfaction of what once was fulfilling is no longer fully satisfying. Maybe you're, you're experiencing a sense of like, uh, like, crisis in not knowing what's coming down the road or what's going to fulfill you in the season to come. Jesus wraps all of them into this conversation with an illustration about two roads and two ways. And he's going to give you this optionality in them. And that's what I'm going to break down for us today. I'm going to give you some observations on the wide road and some observations on the narrow road. And what Jesus says are at the end of them for all of us to decide for ourselves how and what we'll do with the illustration that he, that he parks in front of all of us. Um, the roads represent something very particular. And scholars would say that this grouping of verses, these two verses in Matthew chapter 7, they're both... A, um, a call to repentance, right? That's Jesus saying, hey, some of us are living a life that's void of a savior, that's void of a good shepherd, that's void of the relationship, the personal connection with God. And I'm here to, to deliver that personal connection. I'll give you a pathway by which you can know that you are made in God's image and you have a purpose for your life. And I'm here 
to be the physical example of that. That's scholars' first theory as to why Jesus gives this illustration, that there's an opportunity to move from the broad, wide road to the narrow road, which is representative of a life without God to a life with God. Then there's this second theory about why this is written or why Jesus speaks this, and it's a, a warning to people who want to live a life in pursuit of Jesus. And Jesus is telling them, it's not as easy as a life without me. Because actually the life without a submission to me and a submission to my father and a submission to my word is going to free you up to experience lots of things that will not require of you the things that I will require of you, that a life submitted or in pursuit or journeying with me will require of you. But the outcomes are vastly different. And so just hold those two things as we unpack the wide road and the narrow road. And I'll give you some observations I think that we can hold and have on our way through this conversation. The first is that Jesus describes the wide road as very particular things. But if I was to rename the wide road today for your context and mine, which I did, I wrote in my notes, it would be called the everything goes road, the what's trending road. The what everybody is doing road or what everybody finds socially acceptable road. That would be the way by which you could uh, wrap your head around the wide road. And Jesus has some very particular things that he says about living a life without God in pursuit of this pathway. He says the first thing that it's an open road. It's open. It's easy to get onto. That it's not actually a forced pathway. It's not a forced follow that Jesus is going to make on anybody. The beauty in Jesus, the way that it reflects the nature of his father, is that you have optionality in every season and every moment of your life. You realize that. Like God says very specifically in the New Testament through the person of Jesus, he says, you can choose life or you can choose destruction. That's what he, he's giving the option for in this one. He says, you can build your house, your life on the sand, kind of shifting values and shifting beliefs, or you can build your house on the rock. It's your choice. I'm not going to force you to take up occupancy in one lane or the other because God in his nature does not force you to love him. He gives you the right to choose. And it was the, the right to choose between God and Adam that, that afforded Adam a life that had, we talked about it last week, sin and separation and lack of relationship. But through the person of Jesus, there's this reconciling relational rightness that we have in God. There's a, a forgiveness of sin and there's a purpose now connected to your life, the way that you live it. There's an openness in the wide road that Jesus is talking about here. He says that you can have it by choice if you want and many people will choose it. Actually, that's the second fill-in is Besides the wide road being open, Jesus says the wide road is crowded. He says, broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. This illustration would have been like, um, it would have been understood in two ways. That in every first century city, there were gates by which you entered the city appropriately. It was the way by which you arrived into a first century town. And in the arrival would be, uh, your ability to find out where you can stay and where you get food and who you need to be connected to. There was a purpose in the way by which you arrived into a city. 
not so similarly to how we arrive in cities today, right? If you come from the five south from Orange County, you arrive in San Diego by going through all the military bases. They're like, don't mess with us, right? And then you get through the military bases and you kind of dot your way into the towns that are connected to the five. But there's not really a like purposeful pathway in. For a city in the first century, it's as if you would have been given like the welcome kit as you made your way in. And this is where you're going to figure out where you'll stay. This is where you'll figure out where you find food. This is how you're going to find work. It all goes through the gate of that city. It's also connected to a certain occupation. Jesus spoke often in illustration of shepherds. Jesus calls himself the good shepherd. And there are ways by which uh, herders, shepherds would care for their flock made up of many sheep, that many sheep would be led by a good shepherd through proper gates to get to appropriate pastures, that uh, a shepherd would literally allow their sheep to graze on a pasture or a field until it was low enough that there was enough grass to regrow once he moved the sheep, but he would know that there was richer, more like enriched pastures, greener grasses in other places, but he needed to navigate his sheep safely to those places. They would enter and exit through particular gates to get to particular pastures. And Jesus is using this illustration for both the person entering the city, literally like a city worker or like a person who's connected to a town and somebody who's on the outskirts. He didn't keep anybody outside of the illustration. He says, you got to go through the gate, but there's one that's wide and it's open and it's crowded. The reason why we say it's crowded is because it's where the general masses will find themselves in your lifetime. Jesus says there will be more people, the more popular thing will be a life not submitted to me by volume in your lifetime. The reason why it's crowded is because Jesus is literally drawing a line and he's saying the narrow way, the narrow road is through me to me. And there's not a lot of people that are going to like that statement. But the wide road is going to be where everything else exists. Every religion, every belief system, every like self-help like synopsis is going to be found here. It's different than me. And it's going to be well-populated, well-attended. He says you just have to be keen on the fact that while there are many here, your maker is actually not here. So it's going to be interesting because there's going to be a, a rhythm, a run that's going to feel like you're with everybody in the wide road, but it's going to lead you somewhere that is not distinctly to me. This is a big, it's a wrestling match with people in our culture oftentimes who have really good intention because they go, Mingo, this is rough. This is hard to hold and have because I have lots of friends and I just feel like there should be these multiple pathways that all lead to one good God. And I would say with you, yeah, I would prefer that also. But it's not what we hear from Jesus. Jesus is so clear, I am the way. Me. And it's not confrontational, it's compassionate that he would tell you that he is the access way to true life. And I love that Jesus puts up at the very beginning of this conversation, go through the narrow gate. He's telling them, the answer is me. But I'm going to tell you what you're going to experience in both lanes anyways. The wide road is open. It's your choice. It's crowded. It's where everything other than Jesus exists. And the wide road is super easy, he says. 
the wide road. Uh, if you look at it in other translations, it says the easy road, the easy path is the way it's described, is where everybody will find their satisfaction for a season. That's the way you can put it. You will find something in this lane, in this category, through this gate, that will satisfy you for a season. It is uh, where very few will push back on you. It's where little discipline exists. It's where very little conviction will be found. It's where you will not be pressed up against. If you believe something that is different from somebody else, everybody goes, well, you have yours and I have mine. And as long as you don't get in our way, I feel like we should be okay. That's the wide road, the easy road that Jesus is describing. It's funny because it's just not that easy either way you slice it. Because what you get in satisfaction for the here and now sometimes turns into great disappointment later then, right? Have you been there? I think of it like a lazy river. Uh, so have you ever like gone to um, like a resort, uh, like Palm Springs has a few of them where there are like literally lazy rivers that are like the pool option for them. It's my favorite because we have kids and I can literally throw my kids in a tube and I'm like, bye. Have fun. See you on the next lap, right? Or see you on the next round. Bravery and Nico are old enough that they can go around the lazy rivers. Lively, not so much. But I love a good lazy river because you don't have to do anything. It, like the current is built in. You don't have to fight and push up against people. It's not the same as like a wave pool where it all comes at you and you're just trying to survive it and not scrape off half your skin on the bottom. The lazy river is like smooth and it moves you and it meanders and they know when you're getting sweaty so they put like the water feature that you go under it, right? Uh, they know that you're getting thirsty so there's like the bar that you can kind of like somewhat paddle your way through to and like you get your drink and then you just keep going. You just keep going. All you need is a tube and you're in. It's the lazy goodness of a resort and I freaking love it. The problem is, like, if you've ever spent time looking at the water in a lazy river, like, it's, they, they don't call it, like, the pristine clear river for a reason, right? They don't call it, like, the real sanitary space river for a reason. And I think of, like, every kid that's been in that lazy river, and then I think of the fact there's not really, like, well-marked-out bathrooms anywhere near, like, said lazy river and like we've trained our kids to at least have enough like you know humanity in them that if you need to go to the bathroom just please get out of the pool and use the restroom bravery gets it nico oh we're working on it nico will get out of the pool and there was a there was a uh, lazy river we were at in uh, phoenix uh one time and i remember nico having to go to the bathroom so bad and he didn't want to go in the in the pool in the lazy river and he wasn't going to make it to the bathroom and so he just got out and he started peeing literally like on the bush that was right next to the lazy river. So he was like a statue just like letting it all out as people just floated by him. And people were like, whose freaking kid is this? And I was like, I need a drink. I need a freaking drink. Get me away from this kid. <laughs> and like Nico was like, dad, 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 like kind of running with and like bad setup. <laughs> the road is easy is like the waters are murky in like a lazy river. It, it, it serves your gluttony, but man, it's probably not that good. For, like nobody's like, you don't want to open your mouth in the lazy river. And what Jesus says very specifically about it is that it leads to a particular place. He says it leads to destruction. 
Now, they would have been really interesting to hear that come off of Jesus' own lips. It's going to pay dividends by destruction. That word in destruction is used a bunch of times in the New Testament. It actually has two definitions that run in parallel together always. It's a twofer. And the word, uh, it means um, ruin and it means loss in the moment. That's what the word destruction means. So he's saying the wide road is easy. It's well populated. It's an open choice for years. But the problem is, is that there will be a decaying. There will be a ruin. There will be a loss that you're going to experience in trying to fulfill yourself with things that was never designed to fill you. There's only one person that brings true joy, true peace, absolute purpose, all like almighty connectedness so that you feel full and it's in the person of Jesus and plenty of people will be looking and grasping and consuming all these things that will never give them what they want and it will lead to loss. You're going to experience unfulfillment. You're going to experience a heartbrokenness that will not be remedied without a savior to remedy it. You're going to experience pain without having uh, the antidote to draw you back to a place of health. That's what Jesus is saying, and it's for the here and now. It's not some far away pain. He says, in destruction, there's pain and there's loss and there's decay here and now. That's the first like, definition and description of it. The second one is much more intense, and it's the eternal position for any person who rejects God's salvation through Jesus. And when I read this, I go, man, that's heavy. It's not, uh, that's not like a, uh, it's not the flower field, it's not the super bloom on the way to Jesus. It's pretty intense. But it's, it's, it's in alignment with the character and the nature of God. Like I said in the very beginning, the openness of the wide road is God's goodness of giving you a choice. He will not force you to play his way. And so the, the destruction, the eternalness in you, your soul, your spirit, which is disconnected from your body, really. Your body has a timeline. Your spirit is made eternal. It's made to be in connectedness with your maker. But God says, if you don't want to be with me in relationship while you're here in the years that I give you, I would never force you to be with me in eternity. And yet there are some of us that are playing this game where we want to have both. We want to live for ourselves while we have our days, but then we want the grace of God to, to keep us and save us and have us in eternity. And Jesus is going, you got two gates. There's a wide one, and it's going to feel good, and you're going to see lots of people moving in it, but it's void of my spirit. And I'll tell you where it goes. It leads to ruin and pain and loss in the days, and it leads to eternal separation from your maker in eternity. The Bible calls that hell. I wouldn't, I don't, wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy, but there are plenty of people who, who want to reject a life in submission to the person of Jesus. And Jesus goes, you can have that, but I call that destruction. I don't want that for you, but if you choose it, I won't keep it from you. And then Jesus inverses the illustration. He goes, but there's a narrow gate. There's a narrow road. And here are the things that you'll experience of it. The wide road is open. The narrow road is open too. Everybody gets a shot at making their way through it. It's not the elite. It's not the morally sound. It's not the people that have made the good decisions who were here five Easter's in a row. It doesn't matter. The gate is open. 
Jesus is giving every person within earshot, including you and me, the opportunity to come and hear and, and participate in the surrender of the way of Jesus. It's just as open as the wide road. But what makes it uniquely different is the challenge he speaks up front about for the person who takes the narrow road. He says, and I'll read it, small is the gate and narrow is the word, the, the road. That, that translation, narrow is the word, road, means the way is hard. It means the way is hard that leads to life. And only a few will find it. Not my words. Not the church's, like, historic belief. It's Jesus' words out of Matthew 7. And so what do we draw out of this? It's tough. Hard days, hard times, but with good people. The, connected, the connection that we have with one another. We draw out of this that the narrow road is open. The narrow road is also going to be lonely. That's what Jesus says. It's not going to be full of all the people. Oh, not everybody is not running to the narrow road. Jesus, when he, de- when he declares this, he's instantly, he's working in the face of a religious construct that wants to divide people so that there are insiders and outsiders. And Jesus is saying, it's hard for everybody. And nobody has the easy way out. And this is what I want to encourage you with. If you're in a season where it's difficult right now, You feel like nothing is working your way. You cannot find your rhythm. The beauty is that you're on the road with Jesus. If you're you're feeling challenged and you have a life that's surrendered to Jesus, you're going, God, why? I don't understand. Can you just show me what is happening here? You are in the right road. He says it's hard because everything is pushing against you. And the the reality is is that there's not a lot of us here. It's going to be a a lonely road. But here's the beauty is you don't go it alone. That's why we have church. It's why together we gather on a regular basis. Because it's difficult, but it's not something that you have to do alone. I literally this week, I lost a dear friend who like in his sleep passed away. And I just thought, like, God, what is going on? It rocked me personally. And then I came to church, and I was thinking through, and I was mulling over it, and I say hi to Ruby, and Ruby, she says hello to every single person that comes through our church if you enter through that stairway. And Ruby goes, man, I've just had such a hard week. I lost a friend this week. And I thought, how good is God? I did too. And I'm really sorry, but I know that I'm not alone in the thing and the way I feel right now. And she just said some really encouraging things to me. I turned around. I said some really encouraging things to her. And instantly in this road less traveled, this narrow, difficult road, I realized I'm not alone. Still hard. Still experiencing pain. Still experiencing loss. But not alone. And so if you're experiencing pain, loss, a sense of where are the the people that are doing this walk with me? To the left and to the right of you are those very people. You're not isolated, that God walks with you, that he invites you through the challenges. It's challenging either way, but he's with you at least on the narrow road. The third observation is that outside of it being lonesome, that it's not the majority where everybody finds themselves, that it's difficult. It's a difficult road. 
the Jesus way is not an easy way, but I would say like they say about the way the decisions you make in life, if you choose to work it out and like discipline yourself and get in the gym and do those things that will give you physical health, it's going to be hard. But if you choose not to do them and just keep living the way you want, the experiences that you'll have by payout of that are going to be what? They're going to be hard too. So you get to choose which way do you want to live. Jesus says, you can do the hard things with me, you can choose to do the hard things without me, and there are outcomes that are guaranteed on either side. Jesus' outcome is delivered in the way that he closes this illustration. He goes, they're not well-traveled pathways, there's fewer of us on it, it's difficult, but it leads to life. It leads to life. It's the opposite of destruction. And there's a a verse out of Psalm 23, that book. Uh, I read this book. It's about this thick called The Shepherd's Look at Psalms 23. If you like books this thick, it's the book for you. Uh, It's an easy one. And it's written by a pastor who used to be a shepherd in uh, North Africa. And he writes about his perspective of shepherding sheep uh, through the lens of Psalm 23. He writes this great book about it. And he says... um, The life that we have in Jesus, through Jesus, uh, he pens, he writes, um, uh, Surely your goodness and mercy follows me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There's a two-part promise there. So he says, your goodness and your mercy, they follow me all the days of my life. Days of my life are the days that you're living. Today, the Monday that you're going to have to face, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you know what happens in those days by God's goodness with Jesus? His goodness and his mercy are pursuant of you. He is intentionally watching where you will trip, fall, bruise, stumble, and he deploys goodness and he deploys mercy like crash pads for you in your life. It's not that you're not going to trip. It's that he's got goodness and he's got mercy that you land on as you make your way through the narrow hard ways. It's not like a parent at the park. If you ever go to like Liberty Station, the park over there, parents are parenting, but they're like, And then, like, Johnny falls off the slide, and they're like, Johnny, no, right? That's not the way that God pursues you. He pursues you with great attention and focus. He knows that you're trying to make your way, and when you stumble in your fall, it's not judgment, it's not recourse, it's goodness and mercy, the author of Psalms says, follows you as you make your way down the difficult path. That's for the here and now. And then he says, and, that's the plus sign in this promise, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He's talking about his eternity. I'm secure knowing that at the end of this hard road, this hard life, this narrow gate is a promise that I will be with my maker, that my soul will be united, reconnected to my maker. One is the road to destruction here and now. The other is life here and now and then in eternity. So my parents' property, if you ever call to go to Mexico, if you ever meet my dad on the patio or my mom on the patio, they're so open about the property. Nobody has ever been exempted. Nobody has ever been like, you can go, you can go, you can't. No, you can't go. Like my parents aren't that way. Everybody can come. 
And if you've been, you know my parents are so open-handed with the property. There's only one person in my entire lifetime who was able to go down that didn't get an invite back. And it was like, he was like 16 and deadly, like afraid of Mexico. My dad drove to San Diego to pick him up personally. And then halfway through, he like couldn't stomach it. And they made my dad drive him back down to San Diego. And that kid forever got banned from going to our house in Mexico. Because my dad had to go and sit in the borderway two times to a kid that never got to experience the fullness of the house. My dad was so mad. To this day, we don't even say his name. <laughs> but everybody, everybody is welcome. And I got a picture of the outside of our property. It, it, it's not much to look at. There's a big wall there because over the years, so many people have tried to take advantage of the goodness that exists on that property. The views, the, the spaces that my parents have built. There's a dance floor. There's multiple fire pits. There are haciendas that have um, porchways and they have um, patio spaces that overlook the entire city. You can choose out of this patio or the mountains and you can see the, the, the fog and the clouds rolling over the hills. Out of this side you can see all the drunk people on Main Street and like laugh at them as they get like rolled for way too expensive trinkets. And like on this side you can see the cruise ships and the tugboats and like all the original fishing boats of people who have been fishing there for generations. But on the outside, it's this big wall and this giant gate. And for people that have tried to come to our house when we're not there, they try to like jump or climb or crawl to get access to the property and they cannot get in because if you look closely at this picture up on this side, there is like a tiny doorway. And if you go to the next picture, this dog is waiting for you. Uh, that dog's name is Chocolate. That dog's in English, it means chocolate. He's the sweetest dog if you know my dad. But if you don't know my family, that dog will tear your legs off. Jesus says, I am the narrow gate. He says, there is fullness to experience in your life through me. When my dad meets you at the house most of the time, my dad will be waiting with the gates already open. My dad anticipating not just what you'll experience at the house, but what you'll experience in his town. He wants you to experience everything to the fullness by which he knows that town has to offer you on a really good Friday, really good Saturday, really good Sunday. But there are so many times when people have tried to get access to this place without my dad, and it does not work. You cannot make your way onto this property without meeting that dog which does not want you to be there. But my dad, like a heavenly father, anticipates your arrival, that he, he holds the door, that he has much for you to experience through the other side. But you cannot get through unless you go through my dad. You have to talk to him here on the patio. You have to have a connectedness to him on Facebook or Instagram, and you can go but you cannot access it without the path and the permission of my dad. This is what Jesus is saying. Take the narrow gate. It's me. And we have this verse, and I'll close with this. It's our year verse. Jesus saying in John 14, 6, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And the big statement is the sentence after. The only way. I circled it in my Bible. The only way to the Father is through me. It's a 
tough statement to digest, but it's Jesus' declaration. Wrestle with it. Are you mad about that? Talk to Jesus about it. Is it, is it frustrating for you? Talk to Jesus about it. He's good enough. He's big enough that he can manage your frustration. But have you felt like you're on a road where there's not much fulfillment? You're probably in a place where he's calling you to repentance to find the narrow path through him. My hope is that we would all consider what path we're on in each of the areas and lanes in our lives. Lord, in my job, am I trying to be self serving? Am I self-preserving? Or Lord, am I utilizing this as a way by which to love people well through you by your power? Wide road, narrow road. Am I trying to find fulfillment in my life by the things that I want or by the things that you want? Wide road, narrow road. Everybody gets the choice. And I'll bring the band up and I will pray through this final thought that the narrow road is an invitation to move from being an admirer of Jesus to being a follower of Jesus. It's the final thought. That there are plenty of people who admire the things about Jesus, but to be a follower of Jesus means that you take the difficult things and you trust him with the difficult ways, knowing that a good shepherd will take you from good things to greater things to greater things not without difficulty, but with great intentionality as we surrender ourselves to him. Are you looking for great things in your life? It comes by way of following the way of the shepherd, the way of Jesus. Let me pray for us, and then we'll close with a song. Jesus, it's real easy to be caught up in the flow of where everybody is going and what everybody is doing. And Lord, my prayer is that I wouldn't miss your invitation. The simple first sentence to take the narrow road is your compassion. You calling me to pursue you, although it's lonely at times and it's difficult at times. Lord, it's no lonelier or less difficult in a life without you. And so Lord, would you just minister to my own heart as I'm finding you in the difficult days. Lord, that we would find you collectively as a community in difficult days, knowing that there's a good shepherd who's leading us to better places. We love you, Jesus. Would you meet us in the time that we sing of your goodness in the next song? We love you, Lord. In your name I pray, amen. Would you guys um, stand as we sing this last song together?